Welcome to Law Enforcement Today, the podcast. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. I'm a radio broadcaster and also retired Baltimore police sergeant. In every Law Enforcement Today podcast, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Be sure to check out our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and please take the time to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. Thanks for joining us today. We've got uh, an an incredible interview coming up. I mean, mind-blowing stuff. Sergeant Houston Gass and his wife, Jessica Gass, he's from the Pampa, Texas Police Department. He survived a gunshot a point, shotgun wound I'm sorry, at close shot, range, 12-gauge shotgun to the face. And he'll be on the show in a little bit you, to talk you, about it. You're not going to want to miss this interview. I'm, I'm telling you that as, as a retired law enforcement officer, and you're still active, my mind, the first time I talked to Houston, and we talked about the details about this preparing for the show, blown away. Is uh, it easier for you to talk about stuff like this now that you're retired? Yes and no. Yes and no. It's been a, a long time, which helps a lot. But still, I don't go. I don't talk about this stuff with right. people. So, uh, and I know you want me to talk about some of these things. I I've been do, through, and we will. I we do. will sometime. It's like um, it's still tough. In, in not so much tough in talking about it emotionally, because here's a, the, the reality: is of the four times that people try to shoot me, I say seven have tried. I'm still alive. There's four <laughs> active people that try to shoot me, uh, four in- incidents with five people, and then two other fights over guns. So seven have tried. I'm still alive. I only remember the name of one. Right. I purposely don't want them occupying space in my head at all. I don't want to know their names. I don't want to remember anything about them. And 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 we're going to have a guest, Sergeant Houston Goss, on the show it's amazing. This guy can talk about it freely and openly. I've never been around somebody that, well... I'm I, getting goosebumps because... Yeah, I'm excited to have him on the show. Wait to hear about it. And you had an awesome, life-changing experience. You went to the Wounded Officers Initiative Gala in Orlando. I was honored and invited up there. I know we've spoken about it. Uh, we actually have... Pete and Jimmy from the Wounded Officers Initiative on our podcast. Please listen to that. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Also, your experiences. And also, for the first time in our podcast, we're giving away a prize. We're going to tell you details Don't at the t- end. Stop right there. Let's not give away too much information. Stay but at the tuned. end of the show, we'll be giving away... Yeah, which, a, a good prize. $100 certificate. I'll just say that. Okay. All right. So it's not That's- a chintzy prize. It's a good prize. Joining us on the phone from the panhandle of Texas, we have Sergeant Houston Gass and Jessica Gass. Thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Jessica, you're at work. The boss let you take a little bit of time off to talk to us on the phone. Yes, my work is very accommodating when it comes to these type of things, so yes. I'm sure that they've been through a lot with you. For people who don't know, I vaguely remember the news story. This happened a couple years ago in Pampa, Texas, which is not far from, was it Amarillo? Is that correct, to Houston? Yeah, that's correct. What date was this incident? January 6th of 2015. Okay, so just about two years ago. 17-year veteran of the Pampa Police Department, your sergeant, correct? Mm -hmm. You got a call. What kind of call did you guys receive? We got a uh, domestic disturbance call that morning, and I wasn't even supposed to be at work then, but that's lovely part of working for a smaller department whenever you're shorthanded. So you're filling in, and you weren't even supposed to be working that day? Yeah, I generally don't go to work till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
Now, Robert and I know we've both been to, uh, hundreds of domestic disputes calls, and you never know what you're walking into, even if it's a, a place you've been to before. Was this a house you were familiar with? Yeah, it sure was. Did you have you know, any... We got, I'm sorry, Houston. Did you what? have any uh, preconceived notions, anything different about this call as you got it or as you went, other than you weren't even supposed to be at, at work? Well, one of the things that was different about it, obviously, is we got notified that shots had already been fired at this residence. I knew everything that I had dealt with in the past had just completely changed. And, you know, I walked up there with a very different feeling that morning. Okay. A lot of times you get those feelings and it turns out it's nothing. But today, that day in question certainly was more than nothing. Houston, could you tell us what happened next? Okay, well, we'd made several attempts at trying to get the suspects to come to the door, and uh, whenever we failed at that, uh, we uh, made entry into the home. And as we uh, entered into the home, we'd searched the, the kitchen, the, the living room. You're with other, other officers, bedroom. correct? You got other backup yes. with you? Yes, I was with three other officers. Okay. I was with the day shift patrol sergeant, my lieutenant, and uh, one of our detectives. Okay. Uh, whenever we finally made entry into the back room, my lieutenant was sitting at the back, making sure nobody could come up behind us. Mm-hmm. The day shift sergeant was to my right, and the detective was to my left. And the way the room was set up, it, there was a lot of stuff to where you couldn't just, you know, tactically go to a door and... A, it wasn't an ideal uh, situation, but they never are, I guess. Yeah, no, they never are. And whenever I uh, put my hand on the uh, doorknob, the suspect shot through the door, and so uh, so goes life. He uh, shot with a 12-gauge shotgun, uh, and uh, thankfully uh, I had my partners there, and uh, they were... Uh, they were Johnny on the spot. They uh, laid down cover fire. That way, I could. That way, the lieutenant and the detective could drag me out and uh, laid me on my side, where I wasn't bleeding back into uh, myself and drowning on my own blood. Point out, Houston, and, to everybody uh, that's listening, where you were shot. I was shot in the face. Shot in the face with a twelve gauge shotgun in close range. Yes, sir. That's uh, the devastating. Way they, they determined that from the damage that I took and everything that I was somewhere in the neighborhood of about 12 to 16 inches away from the barrel of that gun. Bussy also had debris from the, the door. People don't consider that, so it wasn't just projectiles from uh, the shotgun shell. It was also debris from the door. Were you unconscious immediately? Were you aware that it occurred, or just all of a sudden you come to in a hospital some period of time later on? What did you feel initially, and what went through your mind is always what I like to hear. Man, I tell you what, uh, I did not at any time lose consciousness. Okay. Uh, so you are aware the whole time of what's uh, going on? I, I, I was totally aware of everything that was going on. How uh, horrifying that must have been. You know, obviously, you know, you got the physical pain. But more importantly to me, more than anything that I started thinking about was my wife and uh, my three kids. I couldn't, I, I couldn't think about anything else. And I uh, I started praying, and I told God, I said, God, I just I can't die today. I got I got too much that I got left to do. 
Now, now I know Houston, you and your wife are very spiritual. You're spiritual and faith-based before this incident? Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. Okay. And, and you said that this has helped you carry you through the recovery process, which we will talk about a little bit later on. Yes, yes. All right. So your coworkers got you to safety, and I imagine you were quickly escorted off to a hospital. How long were you hospitalized, and how many procedures and surgeries have you been through? Wait, 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 wait. Before oh, you get wait. into that, Houston, do we? what happened with the scumbag? Well, i tell you what. Uh, a few hours later, uh, they ended up getting him out. Uh, they called in a... Uh, they called in a different department uh, that's uh, not far from a Samarilla PD, and they brought their SWAT team in. He came out of the house, and he was shot twice and survived. Okay. Uh, and then we subsequently ended up going to trial, and uh, he got uh, 50 years in prison here. Which to me is not enough. That's well, just me. You know, the, the way uh, Texas law is written on that, he has to serve eighty five percent of that before he's eligible for parole. Okay, so he's probably never coming out heaven. again, right? He's looking at forty five years flat minimum. Right. Let's go to you're hospitalized, and Jessica. When first of all, forget the hospital, Jessica. When did you find out, and how? Yeah, I was at work that morning, and um, I knew he had told me he had to go in early, which is very normal. So, told him I was praying for him and I loved him, and then. About two hours later, three three of his coworkers pulled up to my office, and I could I can see who pulled up in front of receptionist at the time. And I thought it was odd because I I saw that it was the police department, and I'm actually outside the city limits, um, and, and so county would actually respond to any calls that we would have. So I thought it was kind of odd. And I, but I really wasn't thinking much of it. So they came in, and I was like, hey, how are you guys? You know, because we all know each other. And But they were very solemn, and they said, you know, we need to talk to you. I was like, oh, me? You know? And they're like, yes, do you have, is there a room we can use? And still, that it's time, nothing I, to hit you at this point? You, you weren't, you weren't uh, yeah. thinking bad thoughts? I was not. Okay. No, I was not thinking bad thoughts. Until they said, well, when they said, we need to talk to you in a room, I still wasn't thinking anything bad. And then they set me down in a room, my supervisor's room, um, privately, and just straight up told me Houston's been shot. And I just kind of lost my breath. And I was like, is he alive? I just needed, you know, I needed to know if he's alive or not. And they said, you know, he is alive. They're air flighting him to... Amarillo right now as we speak but you need to know that he was shot in the face and you know we don't know any details on how he's doing or anything and you guys and were newlyweds very very much newlyweds six months into the marriage and just for a little bit of history on me I lost my first husband to suicide oh. so I was tremendously shook up and scared that I was about to lose my second husband and dramatically Understandable. And, yeah. And Houston, uh, let's get back to what injuries and and how quickly uh, you healed and talk about better things and how you've improved and overcome this horrific incident. Well, uh, so far I've been through uh, 14, 14 surgeries. And uh, I, I, my medical care has been absolutely top not. And, but none of it's been 
none of it's been easy. They've had to do some pretty major things to uh, to get uh, to get me back to where uh, I used to be, right. and and I'm still, and, and I'll never be like I used to be ever. <laughs> you know, I won't look the same. I don't. Uh, I don't talk the same. I don't. Uh, I don't eat the same. I don't. Uh, there, there's just so many different things that have changed. Can I ask you a, a question, Houston? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the first time you actually looked in a mirror after you got shot in the face with a shotgun, almost at point-blank range for our listeners out there, when you actually looked at the mirror for the first time, can you remember what you were thinking and your thoughts? I don't know that I really was thinking. I think uh, that I was just kind of sitting there still in shock. And- okay. And, and looking at it going, wow. Shock seems like such and, an, an understatement. I mean, I don't know that yeah. there are words that I could come up with to describe I don't what you've think been I'd through. be able to look. You? I don't think I'd be able to look. I think I would have a horrible time trying to do it, Because too. So the reality would then set in for me. But Houston, I'll say this. We've had a conversation before on the phone. We've had this interview right now on the phone. You, you sound in your conversation as normal as anybody I can imagine. So I, it's I, unbelievable. Uh, you've made tremendous progress. You say you don't talk the same. I don't know how you talked before, but <laughs> you're very eloquent. You talk very well. You're you're very clear in your words. You enunciate well. So uh, I'm sure that was a steep learning curve for you as well. Oh no, it was uh, just just trying to figure out how I needed to start doing things differently. You know, learning learning a new normal, if you will. That's a difficult task, especially, you know, whenever you start looking at things. And I very much could have chosen to to sit there and just feel sorry for myself and give up. But I couldn't. I had to uh, I had to figure a way to be able to move on and to uh, move forward. Part of your mission now is it to help other officers? Yes. So you had, we had talked off the air also, and and part of that is is a plan of action. Or I'll let you speak about it. Can you you tell us what information you can share with those brothers and sisters that are still out on the job? Well, one of the one of the big things that I uh, I I really speak about is what are you doing to prepare for when the situation occurs. You know, too often times, especially in the last uh, couple of years, it's not about if it's going to happen, it's about when it's going to happen. And I think all in, in, in every one of our minds, we need to be, we need to be preparing that it, that it most certainly could happen because I think to some extent, we as officers, we overlook things and we sit there and say, well, it's not going to happen to me. Of course, well, not. yeah, that's what I always said. It's not going to happen to me, and I try to reassure my wife all the time. Is don't worry, it's not going to happen to me. I'll do everything I can to make sure I'm okay. You know, one of the things that I, I uh, really encourage is that uh, they go home and they have a talk with their their spouse and their children, and and uh, they in and they have a real conversation about what if I don't get to come home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not how, uh, how do you even broach that, that, that topic? Have you ever done that? Yet? I've never no, done that. No. Never, ever. Houston so, did, thankfully. How did he start that conversation, Jessica? Um, you know what? Houston's got a really good sense of humor, and <laughs> he's really good about bringing it up lightheartedly, and he does it well with the children too. Um, 
he just has a way. He always said, you know, I mean, you never know what could happen in this job. He'll joke about life insurance or whatever, you know. He just says, you know, you just have to be prepared. Of course, I already knew that because I've, I've gone through losing a spouse before. But even with our children as young as they are, he was, he, you know, he, he had a way. Um, he always said, you know, what police officers do, it's very dangerous. I deal with a lot of bad guys and we just don't know what happened to daddy, but we can pray for safety. And you have, um, you have, you said you have children. How old are the children? Yeah, five, six, and nine. Oh, okay. Right and how now. are they yeah. doing right now? They Are they okay? Oh, yeah. Uh, they're really good. And I remember the first time they saw their daddy in the hospital. And we really haven't hid much from them. We've talked to them about, you know, daddy's been shot. Daddy's been shot in the face. It doesn't look good. You know, we're not hiding things from them. Um, and they are always free to ask questions about dad and his injury. And they can talk about it. And they, they've seen him, they saw him without his wound dressing the very first time, and they even took a picture with him, and, you know, it was kind of scary. Dad couldn't talk. He had a trach in. Right. Um, they were excited to see their daddy yeah. still, you know? I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm just, I'm at a loss for words in, in this conversation, because I'm trying to put myself in that, and I'll be honest with you, I can't. I, I can't. I don't have a, a, a place of reference of my experience to go through that. You have a message, Jessica, to other police families and spouses that have that may have never been through this or might be going through some traumatic, devastating incident like this. What do you have to say to them? You know, I would say for me and Houston both, our faith has kept us focused, even when it's super hard. Just Our faith doesn't make things easier. I, I want to make that very clear, uh, but it gives us hope for each day because with things like this, with tragedy, with um, not knowing what next, the next day, the next hour is going to hold with an injury like he had, it's an hour by hour hope. It's an hour by hour hanging on. You 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 reach out to others, especially there are so many people that were re- willing to help and wanting to help, and I took it. So I would definitely recommend not shying away from accepting help. Okay. Because some people might want to be, you know, hey, I've got this. I'm strong enough. Well, well a lot of, it's better just to admit right up front, I wasn't strong enough. I've been through so much already. I wasn't strong enough. If you had a chance, what would be one thing you wish people had done differently? You could tell them, hey, this is something I learned through our experience that, you know, if it happens again, which we know it will somewhere, someone listening is going to go through this. What is it that people can do differently to make life a little bit, uh, the situation a little better for you? You know, with us, without going into a ton of detail, don't, there were so many people right up front for about two or three weeks that were like bombarding us with help. And then everybody, I not say everybody, but there were a very big majority that just left and hasn't been back to support us. So you want them to stick around? longer yeah. yeah yeah check in you know check in on us the support um, was there initially for the first two weeks is a very common thing i hear from and then they life goes on for them and it's it, like your, right. your, your and, memory and that's just like anything in life we tend to forget and and basically i'm glad both of you are on because now we're reminding people how important it is you know even texting or stopping by i, yep. I hear this all the time that as time passes people forget the yes. tragedy and the life-altering experience that both of you went through. How are you doing now, Houston? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm doing really good. 
we've been able to, uh, like I said, we've, we've been able to make it through all the all the physical things, and uh, we've even made it through uh, uh, the psychological things, the, the, the harder part of the wound to heal. And, you know, we... I really feel like that uh, I've, I've come out on the other side better than I was on January 5th of 2015. So you think this incident, uh, as tragic as it was and as horrific as it was, has changed you in in, in, a, in a positive way, made you, in some respects, a, a better man in your opinion of yourself? Yeah, 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 because uh, it's it's made me see... Uh, it made me see the realities. It gave me a chance to uh, really get to know my family. Uh, it gave me a chance to really get to know my kids, and uh, uh, and it's uh, uh, it's given me a chance to uh, be able to go talk to these other officers, uh, whether they're in in an academy or uh, whether they're uh, veteran officers. And give them a chance to sit there and say, "Hey, you need to slow down for a minute. You know this, all this garbage out here on the street is going to be here tomorrow." And start making these guys figuring out how to leave work at work and home at home. Even though I know that that right there is something that may not be possible because of some of the things that we deal with. When when people uh, figure that one out, let me know because I think we can make a lot yeah, of money. I, know. I, I, I know. don't know how to do it yet. But one of the things, too, is just just figuring out the communication there. If, if there is something that is you're obviously going to be thinking over for quite a while or something like that, figure out a way to communicate and get that time for themselves. That way they don't end up in these domestic disturbances and things like that that we all hear about that happens between officers because they don't know how to communicate. Were you always this comfortable and outspoken about all these issues or is this a direct result of what you've been through? Most of it is the direct result of what I've been through. Because it's amazing how much your perspective changes whenever something happens like that. You start seeing a new side of things. You start seeing a, a different side of things. And, and maybe that new side isn't as good as everybody would like it to be. Right. Um, and maybe they don't understand. Were you always yeah. able to just talk about it, or did it take time for you to be this candid and open, both of you, with the traumatic experience you both went through? But Houston, were you able to talk about it right away, or did it take time? Because I just came back from a conference, and I know that it was tough for some people to speak about it, and some people were like you. They were very candid about what had happened. It did take me a little bit of time. Obviously, you know, you, you have to, uh, I had to worry about, uh, you know, one of the things I think that I worried about more than anything was, you know, what are people going to think whenever they see me walking around with this giant bandage and I got, you know, one eye sticking out and that's about all they can see. How does that come across? You know, is, is, is it scaring kids? Is it, uh, uh, so a physical, you know, it, was your physical appearance initially that, was the biggest concern of yours as you 
were able to walk out of the hospital or walking among the public? You were just so concerned about what people were thinking about your appearance. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and plus, I mean, with the news media around here in the Texas Panhandle, uh, everybody knew who I was. I couldn't go. I, I mean, I literally could not go anywhere without everybody knowing exactly who I was or whatever. And I'd never in my life ever wanted that kind of attention, which I don't think any of us do, especially uh, especially whenever you garner it in that, in that fashion. And do you find yourself, but, were these people asking you questions? Or did you find it difficult to talk to them, or did you just like, you know, I don't feel like talking about it? Most people wouldn't, you know, start asking me a bunch of questions or anything. You know, thankfully, uh, uh, they were they were kind enough to do that. Uh, the majority of them were just coming up and thanking me for my service. And did you and, feel uncomfortable when people said thank you for your services? I know I still do. I'd be like, yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know what to say. I think we don't know if it's sincere, but in his case, walking around with a banjo and, and like you said, one eye popping out, you knew it was sincere. Yeah. Yeah, you do You do know it's sincere and everything. And, and yeah, I mean, whenever somebody thanks you for your service, you know, you're just kind of like, just like anybody else. You're like, I was just doing my job. Right. And, and that's absolutely true. That's all I was doing. I was just doing my job. And and people, a lot of people were throwing out that four-letter word that none of us cops are comfortable with hearing, and that word hero. Yeah. Because I'm not a hero. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't save a, I didn't save somebody from a burning building or or whatever, you know, I mean, not that I think a fireman's a hero either, but, you, <laughs> we, you know, I have yeah. to throw that we, we love our firefighter <laughs> yeah. brothers and sisters. They've no way no, to we really, we, we really, really do. Houston, we, uh, we understand exactly what you're saying. There's no apologies necessary. Now, you mentioned the job. This is a question that I'm sure a lot of people are asking. What is your current status? And are you trying to return to active law enforcement duty? You know, currently I'm still out on medical leave. I'm down to my last two surgeries, thank God. You have two more to go. How many have you had so far? 14. When it's all said and done, 16 total surgeries. Yes, sir. How many hours of occupational and physical therapy have been involved in this, too? Uh, Yeah, quite a bit. Doing all kinds of things. Uh, You know. uh, And you still want to come back. That's amazing, Houston. You still want to come back because yeah. I know it's you're not a rookie officer. You, you've you've had 18 years on the job before this this tragic incident happened, correct? Right. Yeah. But it's it's who you are. You bleed blue, literally in your case. Um, yeah. And you want to come back and, and join the ranks of so your you, brothers and sisters. You want to come back? Yeah, I do my hat's off to you that's unbelievable i want to shift in a slightly different direction jessica i know (laughs) that you know that houston wants to go back to law enforcement good how does that make you feel what's your response to that you know he was ready to go back he was in icu and he was asking the day he got shot and the day after he got shot he was asking when do i get to go back to work the day after Um, how do oh, you yeah. how do you feel up. about that? How do you feel about that though? We know you we know, know. where Houston stands for sure. Yes. You know what? I've said this from day one and I still feel this way. I want him to be happy. I want him to do what he feels called to do. Does it scare me? Yes. 
but if he feels called to do that, then I want him to be where he feels called to be, and I can't change that, and I would I would never want to take that from him or say, no, you're not going to do that, or no, I mean, that's 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 not me. I will support whatever he wants to do, and I, and I wholeheartedly mean that. I mean, it's never changed. I, I married him knowing he was, that was what he was and what could happen, and you know, if he still wants to go back, he wants to go back. If anybody from Hollywood or has Hollywood agents listening, this is a story that needs to be put into into film. See, we see so many other stories, and there's you know stereotypical stories about police and police families and bad things happen. They divorce, they hate each other, everything else. They don't see the kids. This is the exact opposite of what the Hollywood stereotype puts out there, and it's also the exact opposite of what the news media puts out there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it really is. Well, I want to thank you all so very much for taking time to talk about this. It's a, and I'll be honest with you. Robert has known me pretty well now. I had a difficult time talking about this and because it's just, uh, I think it's every every police officer's nightmare. Not not happening so much to them as is, God forbid, this happened to someone working with me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's it's enough of a duty to, to worry about taking care of yourself, make sure you get home. But the other added thing on there is, I want to make sure my side partners go home too. It's just mm-hmm. an incredible exactly. story. What are your closing thoughts? Anything you want to get out there to everybody uh, in internet land listening? Well, one of the things that I want to say is to uh, the officers that are out there listening, you know, your first plan is to always go home at the end of shift. But always have a secondary plan. What are you going to do and how are you going to handle when you can't? Because you know it's going to affect your family as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's about. Sure I, that, uh, I don't even know how to start that conversation. <laughs> it's not I, easy. I, I, well, you know, it, it's uh, it's about as difficult as having that sex conversation with your kids. I'd <laughs> rather have the sex conversation with my daughters. Yeah. I'll be honest yeah. with you. The birds and the bees is a lot easier than this. <laughs> well, yeah. and you and I think the reason why is because it's about us. It's about you're talking about what possibly could happen to you. And speaking for myself, I could say the first 20 years of my career, I never feared or thought about the dangers. I just thought about it as uh, uh, I'm a deputy or I'm an officer and I'm just doing my job and I'll do it as best as I can. I need to protect myself and protect others. But as I've aged and become wiser and more experienced Mm -hmm. and don't heal as rapidly and uh, those thoughts definitely come across my mind. Can you relate to that, or am I the only one that feels this way? No, uh, I can I can completely relate to that because you know uh, how many calls in the past did you get of those domestic disturbances and you just went in, you didn't even think about it, you just you just did it. Oh, we knew the address is uh, like yeah. them again. Oh, they'll go take care of me. Five minutes. Don't worry. You know, yeah, we've been we've been down that yeah. road, and it, it was catastrophic for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, like I said that day, I just so there was just something different about it, and I felt differently about it. Uh, it's like I it's like I knew something was was going to happen. Well, I want uh, to thank you again for coming with us and telling everybody about it, and. The door is open for you all to return anytime you want to talk, anytime you have something going on. 
we want you to feel that this is part of your yeah we can have a vote a voice for you yeah we'll listen uh listen to uh what you have to say and i'm sure that if we broke it down there'll be many podcasts off of just certain subjects that both you and your wife had brought together and jessica from all of us listening we want to thank you for being a strong and dedicated wife uh, you're to be commended it's, and, uh, and having the courage to talk about this stuff because this is really this is some t- I'm, I'm sweating here Both and on the verge of tears oh Both i am too i am too and i'm there it's hard it is hard to talk about but for Houston and I both, we've always expressed that each time we get to talk about it, it brings a little more healing. And that's one thing I would say, too, is that um, you, when you can talk about it, it does allow for your heart to heal a little bit more because it might touch somebody else's. Sergeant Houston Guest, Jessica Guest, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Robert, it's official. My mind is blown. Uh, we talked, both of us talked to Houston Guest before. We've got to have them on again. And that's the first time I talked to Jessica. Right. What an impressive person! Uh, their story horrific. Uh, it's it's like a, a every every cop's nightmare, but they're surviving and they're doing well, and they both have a mission to help other people that are going through this. Right, and we didn't even get into um, other things that help them get through this tragic. tragic. I know their faith is a huge part, and yeah. they both believe they have a mission now to help other officers. And uh, gotta have to have them on the show again. The conversation, having a conversation with family about what do you do if I don't survive. I, I don't know how to do that. I've been retired 25 years, and no, I. <laughs> that's that's tough. But they did that they beforehand, did. so it's an incredible story. And I can't wait. There'll be guests again with us because they got a lot of things that you're going to hear about. Well, we had a podcast last week with Pete Hernandez and Jimmy Brown from Wounded Officers Initiative. You went to the gala over the weekend, right? I was honored, honored, and um, humbled when this I came a, back. They, they celebrated. And talked about the stories of several severely wounded officers across the country. I think that's what got me the most, where not everything is as as rosy as you would think that uh, our heroes would ride off into the sunset. There's some tragedies uh, that face them, and the way that our heroes overcame them, and getting to hear those stories from the actual uh, officers and themselves. Are those stories on the Wounded Officer Initiative webpage? They Some are, they are, but the nuts and bolts of things that happened, uh, some of the departments that were supportive and were not supportive. Uh, Which happens quite a bit. Yeah. You know, that information is not there, and um, if you were there, you were touched. Trust me when I tell you that. Is it, is it fair to say it was a life-changing experience for it you? It was, it was, because you know what, and I say this all the time, and, and this is my big takeaway, we always pay respects and take care of the families of our fallen as we should yes we should we should but we forget oftentimes those who survive those that are catastrophic injuries right that cannot no longer do a job that they love and the battles that they have to face often alone are no longer because that's what the wounded officers initiative is all about and we will definitely have them back on because they're they're expanding their their blue line support program nationally it's a growing effort so there's gonna be plenty of updates further on down the road you don't tell how i can tell it was such a mind and uh life-changing experience for robert was because normally if you have three hours in a car like driving from orlando to south florida you would have called me at least once or twice or texted at least once or twice. Correct. I didn't hear a peep from him, and I knew 
He didn't want to talk to nobody. Well, it's so funny you bring that up. As soon as I got home, I wanted to go live and kind of be raw about my experience. Which, the, it is on our Facebook page. The Facebook Live video is still there. I did that this morning because, quite frankly, I couldn't do talk it. Talk about I, it? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't really talk about it. It wasn't... And I told everybody I was. I felt like I let them down, but I really, it was just overwhelming. And it's something next year, Jay, you are coming I will go. With. I promise you, I will go because I'll be able to plan it well ahead of time. Uh, let's get down to upcoming podcasts. We still have the poll, basically. Uh, we're, I'm getting great feedback, by the way. Do you find the term cop offensive? And the history of the term cop. And I talked to a buddy by name, Kenny Driscoll, I worked with in the Baltimore Police Department. He found some crazy cool research on that, and we'll have him as a guest when we talk about it in a future podcast. And for the first time, we are going to be doing contests at the end of every podcast. Correct. And, and today, uh, we've got a great prize, a $100 gift certificate. To Tommy Copper. Now, these are the compression people. So, you're talking about if you've got bad knees, you got some aches in your ankles, your knees, your wrists, your elbows, they've got products that'll help you so you can continue an active lifestyle. Right, and I just want to give a real shout out to him, uh, Jay. I did not do this. Um, when they found out I was headed up to the Wounded Officers Initiative on Friday, I was on the phone with them, and they sent that box of goodies, over 100 things to donate to that cause, and uh, we really appreciate their support. And it's important when we hear about companies out there that support that support our law enforcement and their families that we return the favor. Correct. And if you're not going to be a customer right now, maybe you don't need their products. It's always good to tell people, by the way, check out Tommy Copper. They take care of our police. They love our police. Correct. We should return the favor. Up for grabs, we got a $100 gift certificate to Tommy Copper. Buy whatever products you want from them. Right. With that. And the way you can win, uh, go on our website right now, go to our contact page, fill out in the subject matter, Tommy Copper, just tell us you're interested in receiving and you're selected. We'll send you a code. You'll be able to get 10%, I'm sorry, $100 off of your next purchase of Tommy Copper. And that's a wrap for us today. I want to thank Sergeant Houston Gass at the Pampa, Texas Police Department and his wife, Jessica Gass, for being guests and phenomenal guests they were. Awesome. Unbelievable. Could, I'm going to be listening to that podcast over and over. Yeah, and you want to—you certainly want to tell your friends about this one for sure and share it. And Robert, thanks so much. It was a pleasure. And on behalf of everybody associated with law enforcement today, my name is John J. Wiley. Be safe, be well, and we'll see you.